Hello. Thank you so much for popping value-driven life into your ears. I'm your host and your coach, Chris McMahon. I am a nutrition and fitness coach. And look, let's just dive right in. This is a topic that uh, is pretty popular, right? It's it's this this topic of should you weigh yourself, right? So there's two ends of the spectrum in the world of health and fitness right now. Unfortunately, there I exist in the messy middle, but I'm going to dive into these two ends of the spectrum. So the one end of the spectrum is that you should always weigh yourself. You should always be on point with measuring, tracking, uh, knowing your macronutrient intake, knowing knowing your calories, know all of these things in order to uh, achieve a specific look or specific feel. And that in and of itself can be known as diet culture. This idea that it has to be done this way is the only way that it's going to work. You necessarily need to look a specific way in order to feel a specific way in order to do a specific thing, right? It's really, really strict. This is where like clean eating and and the idea of being on the cover of a magazine is the only way to achieve perfection, is the only way to be good enough, right? So there's that end of the spectrum. And then there's the other end of the spectrum which is anti-diet, right? Anti-diet culture. The idea that if you want to lose your lose weight, then there is something inherently wrong with you because of society, because of diet culture, right? It almost demonizes someone wanting to make any sort of change within themselves. Uh, there are some different views in here. Um, there's the health at every size movement. There is uh, a ton of different influencers and uh, different places where you can learn a little bit more about those topics. Now, while I can understand, we never want to judge someone based on how they look, right? There's more to it. For instance, I am standing five foot 10. I'm about 155 pounds, lean, uh, muscular. Uh, I work out all the time. I eat pretty darn balanced. Uh, I sleep a lot. I, I look and feel the best I've ever felt. And I'm type one diabetic, right? <laughs> you really can't judge a book by its cover. I have an autoimmune disease. My pancreas doesn't work. There's a slew of other complications that can happen in the future for me if I am not on point with my wellness. But you would never know that looking at me, right? So it's really, really hard to have these sort of fat phobic ideas that float around. Now, regardless of this, I exist in the messy middle. I absolutely 100% believe that you have every right to lose weight if you want to lose weight. I also have the belief that you don't have to lose weight if you don't want to lose weight, right? I think the thing is we need to focus on what can I do with my life? Like what is the absolute goal? Am I living a life that is fulfilling those goals? And how can we do it? And look, even if you don't want to lose weight, practicing health promoting behaviors um, is a wonderful way to ensure that that you're able to go do those things you love, whether it be going on a long hike with friends and family, whether it be playing with your kids, right? At no point does it mean you have to track your calories. At no point does it mean you have to do all of those things. Just eating a balanced diet, getting your steps in, right? Moving your body in a way that you enjoy moving it, getting more sleep, drinking water, all those things you can do, and it has nothing to do with you losing weight. That doesn't have to be your goal. Right. So the question that we're going to tackle today is, should you weigh yourself? And 
the honest answer is it depends. It really, it really does, right? It depends on your relationship with the scale. It depends on your particular weight management goals. It depends on even if you own a scale, right? <laughs> I mean, we don't own a scale. Uh, you can use like a gym scale or borrow a friend's, but they might want it back. Like we just, that's not something I grew up with, uh, in my house, even though I did grow up with both of my parents going to Weight Watchers, watching them have that sort of struggle. Um, we did not have a scale in the house. We had a food scale, but we did not have a scale in the house. I think it's because my parents would go to those weigh-ins and just use that scale. And, um, because of their complicated relationship with the scale, it was easier not to have it in the house. Um, so that's kind of where it is right now. So, so the idea is, should you weigh yourself? So we're going to go objectively here. You, we're going to just look at the facts and then we can make a decision, right? So knowing your starting weight is a really helpful metric. Like it's super helpful, especially if your goal is to lose weight, right? So the National Weight Control Registry, which is the most extensive perspective investigation of long-term successful weight loss maintenance says about 75% of people who maintain their weight loss for about five and a half years or longer weigh themselves at least once a week, right? So they weigh themselves at least once a week. Now, this uh, weight control registry is pretty pretty robust. I mean, it's, they've tracked about 10,000 people since 1994 who've lost a significant amount of weight and have kept it off long-term. So you can use that as evidence that the scale can be helpful for weight loss and weight management. But maybe you're kind of like the way my mom and my dad were with the scale, or even I am a little bit with the scale from time to time. You just have a complicated relationship with it, right? So you're not alone. You're really, you're, you are truly not alone if that is what you have had or you've been dealing with, right? You're, ju you're just not alone. So many of my clients, my family members and friends, like have all opened up about having this struggle, especially because I'm a nutrition coach and I'm a trainer, right? It, it, it really is like this idea. It's like, well, if I step on the scale, it's going to be bad or I'm going to be less than or, or I'm just not good enough or I have to work harder or this diet doesn't work or I need to be more extreme, right? All of these things are, are things that I've said or things that clients have said. We've all struggled with it. And if you haven't, it's okay. Uh, but but I, unfortunately, I think a lot of people have. So the better question is, why does it fluctuate? Like, why why does the scale fluctuate? Because this this really is the the crux of a lot of folks' problem is the scale is is very confusing. It can be a great thing, and then suddenly we see something that's not great, and then we're like, forget it. I'm I'm giving up. I'm not going to do this anymore. So it can fluctuate for f quite a few reasons right? Uh, I'll be completely honest with you. A weekend of cutting it loose does not cause you to gain 10 pounds of fat. It's impossible. It's literally impossible because one pound of fat roughly contains about 3,500 calories, right? If we're going to look at it that way, of course, that number might not be 1000% accurate, right? Because there's a lot that goes into these sorts of things. But look, in general, 3,500 calories, one pound of fat. So to gain one pound of fat, you must eat 3,500 more calories than you use or burn in your daily life. All right? 3,500 calories above 
what you're using and burning in your daily life. That's above the calories you are normally eating at maintenance. Okay, so we have to consider a couple things when we look at this. So you have your basal metabolic rate, right? BMR for short, is the number of calories your body burns at rest, right? Your basal metabolic rate is the number of calories your body burns at rest. And then on top of that, you have like non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That's neat. So it's all the calories you burn from the day from doing activities that aren't exercise. And then of course, you have your exercise activity thermogenesis. So examples of neat might be um, walking your dog, uh, cleaning the dishes, uh, carrying, carrying groceries, um, right? Just various things that you are not doing them for exercise you are doing them because you simply do them in your life and then your exercise activity thermogenesis would be like things like going to the gym going for your jog uh it could even be if you decide to go for a walk to be healthier technically it would then be considered eat right your exercise activity thermogenesis so the big thing here is like don't be mad the next time you have to take your dog for a walk or chase your toddler around because it all counts and then you also have to consider your daily total energy expenditure, TDEE, which is like an estimation of how many calories you burn when exercise is taken into account. Like it's, it's everything. It's everything. It's important to understand this. So again, to gain one pound of fat requires 3,500 calories surplus above your BMR, TDEE, and your NEAT, right? All of that. And of course, you could figure out some of these things roughly, like your BMR um, roughly by by using an online calculator. Like you could just Google it. You could use the Google machine and you can find one. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe in the show notes, I will link to one that I've used with clients. But the point is, so if you step on the scale after a weekend and notice you're up five pounds, we'll use five pounds in this example, and you think it's all fat, that means that you would have to eat an extra 17,500 calories, right? Quick math here, right? 3,500 times five, right? That's 17,500 calories. Now, unless you compete in several food eating competitions, I don't think you've eaten that many calories. And if you have, that's impressive. But just for reference point here, there was, a, there was an article that they actually wrote about this. Um, Joey Chestnut, an American Idol, uh, he is the current current reigning champion of the hot dog eating contest that they do uh, every 4th of July in Coney Island, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. He approximately ate 22,800 calories, 1,368 grams of fat, 1,824 grams of carbohydrates, and 836 grams of protein during the 2021 Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. So unless you're doing that, it's very unlikely that you have gained those five pounds of fat. And even in his case, most of that is just everything sitting in his stomach. So uh, so this, the scale can fluctuate for a few reasons, right? And so we're going to go over a few reasons why the scale can fluctuate. One, a boost in your carbohydrate intake, right? So let's say you've been on a uh, a lower carbohydrate diet, or you've just been eating pretty balanced all week. And then the weekend comes and you have like a super carb heavy meal. For example, my son's birthday was the other week and it was a pizza party. And I ate a bunch 
of pizza. That's a very carb-heavy meal. And then I had leftovers of pizza. I was eating pizza for like three days straight. So we have to understand that that's a carb-heavy meal, and your body retains water from carbohydrates. There's nothing wrong with that. Look, even look at the word carbohydrates. Hydrates, water. So roughly one gram of glycogen, which is the energy form of glucose and carbohydrates, allows the body to store three to four grams of water, right? So one more time, one gram of glycogen, which is the energy form of glucose and carbohydrates, allows the body to store three to four grams of water. So you don't have to worry because everything evens out when it comes to water weight. So no need to avoid carbs, especially when it's a meal with your family and friends, like don't, don't please don't avoid carbs. They, they are an important part of your body, especially if you are strength training, especially if you are just trying to enjoy life. Uh, carbs are very important and we need them for a lot of things our body can do. Uh, another reason why the, so, uh, the scale can fluctuate is a boost in sodium intake. Sodium or salt causes the body to retain water. If you enjoyed some fried food, the scale might reflect it, but again, it's water and not fat. You should not eliminate all salt from your diet. Your body actually needs salt, especially to stay uh, hydrated, like it's an important part of it. Two sides to that coin. If you don't, if you have too much salt in your diet, well, that's not great, like, right? If it's super, super high, uh, especially with hypertension and things of that nature. But on the flip side of that, if you have too much water in your diet, it's not good, right? You can, you can literally... You can literally just have so much water within your diet. Too much, too much. I'm going the big spectrum. You can even Google it. There have been several people who have died um, from overconsumption of water. Basically, we drown our cells. Uh, we can't break it down. So it, we don't have enough salt uh, to have a balance. So everything's balanced. So again, don't pull all salt out of your diet. We just want to have a balance. Uh, exercise, right? This is a big one. This is a really big one, especially if you've been exercising a lot and you're like, ah, I just don't see it. The scale keeps going. Look, the scale will jump up after a training session. It's completely normal. When you train, you create tiny tears in your muscle fibers and your body goes into repair mode, leading to inflammation. Like this is good because your muscles are growing and inflammation can lead to extra water retention. Right, you might really notice this is if you have a heavy leg day session, right? If you are lifting a lot of weight or you are doing a lot of more challenging body weight movements with your lower body, you will notice that the scale goes up. And it's simply because inflammation, it's drawing in that glycogen to repair, to restore, and it's inflammation. So it's not fat. It could be muscle, but more likely it's water. And eventually it's muscle. So that's a good thing. Water intake. This is another reason. It's pretty straightforward. However, if you're exercising or trying to stay hydrated, the scale will reflect it. Your body knows how to find balance with water, so there's no need to fret. A bathroom break, right? <laughs> it takes roughly six to eight hours for your body to digest any food you've consumed, right? Six to eight hours, it could be maybe a full 24 hours before you pass that food out of your body, before you poop. So if you weigh yourself in the morning and you haven't gone to the bathroom yet, your weight will be up, right? You could try getting on a scale before going to the toilet and then step on after. You'll see a difference. So it could just be poop. It's not fat. There are hormonal shifts that could happen in your body. So for the women out there, 
if you are about to get your period or finishing your period, you may notice a difference in the number on the scale. And this has a lot to do with hormones, right? Estrogen levels are higher right before you get your period. So the higher estrogen levels can lead to water retention. Then the hormone progesterone spikes towards the end of your cycle. And this too can lead to water retention, right? So that's just something to think about too. Supplements. Okay, there are a lot of there's a lot of talk about there about supplements. One one that folks talk about all the time, especially in the strength training world, um, is creatine. The creatine. Uh, there is an association between creatine with water retention, and basically, this particular supplement can draw water into your muscle cells. However, after a few weeks, this actually balances out. Like things balance out, so it's okay. It's okay. So these are just a few reasons why the scale can fluctuate. And some might be from a weekend out and others are just a part of life, right? So after hearing all of this and you're like, oh, okay, my interest is still peaked about using the scale, barged, drinking some water, you could try this. You have to understand that randomly stepping on the scale is part of the problem. That's, that's actually not going to work, right? There are many factors that affect the scale and the number you see. So I would recommend focus on using weekly averages, right? If I have a client who is ready, willing, and able to use a scale, we focus on weekly averages. And this can be empowering for a couple of reasons. One, by using weekly averages, you can notice trends. And it'll give you more data around if what you're doing is working or not working, right? So if we consistently step on the scale every single day and we're recording that data, we can begin to notice how it fluctuates and notice how it balances out. If we're only stepping on it randomly, all we're going to see is a higher number than we think. All we'll see the number we want and then be disappointed the next time we step on randomly and it's a different number, right? Because it's random. So if you want to give this a try, I suggest weighing yourself at the same time every day. Many of my clients and many folks prefer doing this first thing in the morning after going to the restroom. So write down the number, repeat it daily. You can add all the numbers together on Sunday and divide it by seven to give you your weekly average. So I suggest practicing this particular habit for 30 days or longer when looking for trends, like 30 days or longer when looking for trends. And there are even some apps, I believe in your Apple Watch or Apple Health, uh, you can plug in that data and it will literally show you a graph so you can notice these trends. And the hope is that tracking your weight can be viewed as this data point. It can help you determine your plan needs adjustment. However, it's not for everyone, right? So if, if after hearing all this, you're like, okay, it's not for me. I, I still, I don't feel comfortable with this. That's amazing. You don't have to use the scale. You don't, right? It's, it, it can help. Certainly it's a tool, but if you don't feel comfortable or if it feels triggering or you have a history with eating disorders or disordered eating and using a scale can be triggering for you, I first suggest talking with your doctor to find the best plan of action, right? Talking with your specialist can be very, very helpful as you tiptoe around this complicated um, relationship. But uh, this is just what I would do or might have a client do who just happens to not be ready for the scale. You can notice when you're full, right? So this is step number one. You can practice noticing when you're full. If you recognize when you're full and decide to stop eating, you're heading in the right direction. When you practice health-promoting skills 
like adding fresh fruit and vegetables to your diet, you'll have an easier time recognizing fullness, particularly because of the fiber, right? And the other cool part is they aren't calorically dense foods, but they are nutrient dense and the fiber in there allows you to recognize fullness. So basically you can consume more without worrying about overconsumption of calories if you are trying to lose weight, but also it's just general health practice to have those within your diet. You could practice tracking how many balanced plates you have during the week, right? As that skills improves, your weight might change. So what do I mean by balanced plate? A balanced plate really can be broken down into fruits, vegetables, uh, carbs, protein, fat, right? That, that, that's how we can break it down. One version of this plate that clients will work towards is 50% fruits and vegetables, 25% carb, 25% protein, and a thumb of fat. Now keep this in mind, every body is a different body. Your needs might be different than someone else's needs. Case in point, if you are a six foot three, 250 pound person, the amount of protein you need to consume, the amount of carb you need to consume, it's gonna be different. However, as a base point or a baseline, you can shoot for 50% fruits and vegetables, 25% carb, 25% protein, and a thumb of fat. And then you can adjust along the way. Case in point, if you are hungry all the time, well, maybe you should bump up one or the other a little bit more, right? So, and again, if I was working with a client, this would be something that we would dive into and look more specifically at percentages, more specifically at things and deliver it in a way that felt manageable for someone's life and lifestyle. That's the important thing. You have to meet yourself where you are. Another, another non-scale metric you can use is the way your clothes fit. I love getting messages from clients about their favorite pair of jeans that now fit. Right, this can seem minor to someone, but for someone who's struggled with yo-yo dieting, seeing and feeling good about the clothes you are wearing is something worth celebrating. It can mean having pants that you discover are now too baggy or filling out a baggy t-shirt because you've been working hard on gaining some upper body strength and some muscle. So look, if you no longer fit in your clothes, consider donating them. Right? It's a good deed. And seeing bags of clothes that are a few sizes too big can be pretty darn motivating. Your sleep schedule. Look, sleep is a significant indicator of how your health-promoting behaviors are working. Your training intensity, food choices before bed, and bedtime routine are working if you are getting enough sleep. Not to mention sleep alone impacts the hormones that are uh, leptin and ghrelin that are really influencing like your snacking and late night eating and hunger and fullness, right? All these, they even out if we get enough sleep. So if we put the screens away, we get in bed like an adult, <laughs> it actually works out. And it's just a reminder here, eating after 8 p.m. doesn't cause you to gain weight. Eating in a calorie surplus does, like we've talked about this entire time. So eating an extreme amount of calories later in the evening because we're fighting to stay awake uh, we usually go for highly palatable foods later in the evening, right? Things like that. It's not because you're eating after 8 p.m. It's just because it's a calorie surplus. Another one is your energy levels, right? So when you eat a well-balanced diet, you'll be surprised by your increased energy levels. You're taking in enough calories, getting enough protein, fat, carbohydrates, fruits, and vegetables to keep you moving. Right? It's interesting when a client takes an extended vacation and <laughs> feels more sluggish than usual. This is due to the change in their eating patterns. 
And when you come back from vacation, things usually balance out after a week or two. Uh, Mike Dole, uh, Dola, the head of uh, Stronger You, which is a nutrition company, he likes to say that you're borrowing the weight. And I really, really like that. You're just borrowing it. You're borrowing it. And it evens out. And eventually you can give it back. <laughs> the energy levels, like it's, it's really essential. Like, especially if you're like me, you have a son who likes to use you as a human jungle gym, right? You want to have enough energy to be able to do the things that are important within your life. Another one is your consistency in the gym, right? So your ability to make it to your current training sessions and learn new skills deserves celebration. Consistency is crucial and often gets overlooked, right? You overlook it and you can't measure progress by perfect weeks. Progress is hitting speed bumps, learning, and making adjustments. That's literally what we're doing. So your ability to not feel restricted is another major milestone. The ability to not feel trapped by a rigid diet is what all of my clients are striving for. And I hope that you can experience it too. And look, all of these health-promoting behaviors we've been talking about do not exist in a bubble. You're human, and you cannot live or die by your exact macro calculations. That type of pressure creates a system of rigid diet rules. Rigid diets might be why you have a complicated with the scale relationship with the scale in the first place. Learning how to have flexibility is a skill that's worth practicing. So whether you choose to weigh yourself or not, it's essential to have some habit of tracking, to know what you can work on and what is going well, right? This is a really important thing. You can track whatever it is. It doesn't have to be the macronutrients or the calories. It can eventually when you feel ready for that. However, look at it this way. You could track going for a walk every single day. You can track uh, going to the gym. You can track putting one green thing on your plate. You can track getting enough protein during, right? These are all small things that you can track that really stack up. So whatever it is, whatever you choose to do, understand that the scale is a tool that you could use or not use. It doesn't mean that you won't make progress. So if you're checking this out and you really enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up. Five stars would be wonderful. Leaving a comment. I believe you can now leave reviews on Spotify too. So I absolutely love it. So most important of all, go do great things today because you can.